Thanks for listening to the Orchard Hill Church podcast. We're really glad to bring you our third sermon in our series, Table Talk. Today, we talk about what it looks like to host both Christ and others at our own tables, in our own homes. And we believe that eating with others is just a critical practice for being on mission in the world. And so enjoy today's sermon as we talk about that. We've got a special guest coming up this coming Sunday. Daniel Donovan of Red Oaks Church is joining us. Uh, Red Oaks is a church that our church helped plant in 2020, and it'll be great to have him back with us uh, teaching on our fourth and final sermon from this series, Table Talk. Uh, But now we just hope you enjoy the sermon, and if you have any questions, check us out at ohohio.com. Our words of life today come from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7. It says, Now... One of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, so he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume, and as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. She wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So thank you for being with us today. We're going to dismiss our fourth and fifth graders in just a second. But before we do, I wanted to break out some of the best dad jokes that I saw on the board out there. I figured you might appreciate these. Um, Actually, there were so many good ones. And it's funny, I got told some jokes by some people on the way in that they were like, I don't want to write this on the board, but this is a good joke, which is... uh, you know, a good sign of where we are. That's amazing. Um, I'm going to start with this one. What do you call a cow with no legs? Ground beef. Where do you find a cow with no legs? Right where you left it. Uh, A guy goes into a bar with a lawnmower and the bartender says, hey, you better not start anything in here. What kind of cheese isn't yours? Nacho cheese. 
why do moon rocks taste better than earth rocks? Because they're meteor. <laughs> uh, I love this one. My wife told me to stop acting like a flamingo, so I had to put my foot down. <laughs> Some of you have this kind of sense of humor. What is brown and sticky? A stick. <laughs> and then my personal favorite, when is a door not a door? When it's a jar. Dad jokes, everyone. All right, fourth and fifth graders, get out of here. If you have a fourth or fifth grader, they're going to go with Adam to class, and you can pick them up when you're done. You're welcome to send them. It's going to be a good time. Thanks for being with us today on Father's Day as we, um, man, it's just been so good. We are, we're in a conversation right now as a church about uh, the table. That's what we're calling it table talk. It's about hospitality, the kingdom of God, uh, and this practice that our church here at Orchard Hill has embraced, that one of the ways we want to practice the way of Jesus every week is by eating with other people, which of all the things, you talk about prayer and scripture reading and blessing people and Sabbath. And I think all of them make sense. But sometimes when you talk about eating with other people as a practice, as a discipline, as a way of training our souls to be more like Jesus, there are times where people hear that and they're like, huh, well, that's weird. But we've talked about this over the past couple of weeks that you watch the life of Jesus. Uh, the scriptures say the Son of Man came uh, to seek and to save the lost. The Son of Man came uh, not to be served, but to serve. This is the why of Jesus's arrival. But the how, scripture says that the Son of Man came eating and drinking. That Jesus, when he came on mission, he came to people's tables. The whole shape of the mission of Jesus is Jesus coming to people and meeting them where they are. And the table is this beautiful place. And last week I introduced like a visual tool that um, kind of explains the three kinds of relationships we're gonna talk about at the table. Uh, we talked about these three things, the close circle here on the left. It'll, there we go. Uh, we talked about this last week together about the table of the Lord, how his table teaches us what it means to be at the table of everyone. Uh, so if you missed that, you can get that on our podcast stream or at our website. Um, today, we're going to talk about this middle circle, the dotted circle. You'll see a house there. You're going to talk about your table as a site of mission today. And then next week, our, we're going to actually have a guest. You, some of you might not know Daniel Donovan. Daniel Donovan uh, was a resident with us here who our church sent to go plant a church uh, in Plain Township called Red Oaks Church. He's going to be with us preaching next week on this last one, uh, the half circle, what it means for us to be the, a guest at the table of others and that to be a site of mission. And so we're really excited about that. But last week we talked about in the close circle that Christ is the host at the table and that we're all guests. Christ is the host at the table. He's the one who is welcoming us, making room for us, that the entire gospel, the kingdom of God is shaped by the fact that God, who did not need us, spoke us and all of creation into existence. He made room, the hospitality of God, that salvation is in one way is this amazing picture of the great lengths that God would go to to make room for people who don't belong at his table to have a place at his table. And this week, we're going to talk about this dotted circle where we are the hosts and others 
our guests, what it means to make room. And we're starting off with this principle that Jesus is at every table. There's not a table in the world that Jesus is not at because he's the Lord of everything, right? He doesn't just live in buildings like this, that he is the Lord in every space, sacred and secular. That divide doesn't even make sense. It's all his and he's reclaiming it all. And what's beautiful about that is because you don't have to get people to the table here in order for them to meet Jesus. Jesus can meet them at any table. That Jesus is at work in the world around you. Matter of fact, when we say that our vision is for fruitful disciples everywhere, every day, one of the things that we're highlighting there is that every day and everywhere it is possible to encounter Jesus in a way that brings life to you and life to your world. We did this as we talked in our Multiply campaign. We, we got a map and we put little stickers of apple trees all over the place where people live and work and play. That the concept is not just to have one place where people encounter Jesus, but to live in a way where everywhere, they, everywhere we are is a possibility. It's like a mission front. It's God's unique strategy for your world to encounter him because everywhere you are, his spirit is. And so if you think about your tables as a site of mission, I want you to think your house and your table is strategically placed in a place where no one else in this room is, unless you live with them and you all kind of have the same table. But you know what I'm getting at. Your table is in a place that no other table is represented in this room. And I think that's part of God's divine strategy for your world to encounter him. That the goal isn't just to have things here, but that your table would be a sewing place where people can encounter and learn to follow Jesus. So with this image of the dotted circle, your house is there in the middle. I want you to see um, it's permeable, it's accessible, it's reciprocal. The idea behind this is that your house was not designed to be a fortress of solitude. <laughs> it can be a refuge, it can be a safe place, but that the missional design of your table is that it would be a place where people can come and go. And so God puts us in a place where the world that may not ever come to this building could run into Jesus where you are. And it is incredible to think that God loves us and loves the world enough to not just redeem us and rescue us, but to enlist us in how our world can encounter him. In the same way that Jesus came, eating and drinking, so we too can eat and drink our way into the kingdom by making room for Jesus to do what only he can at the table. Now remember, Jesus is both a guest and the host at our tables. This is like the tension that we're gonna talk about today. And even with our story in Luke, you see Jesus is both a guest at the table of Simon, but also he ends up in a strange way being the host who is providing the only thing that's actually needed in that space for the woman, grace and forgiveness, and for Simon, a lesson on what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. At our own table, Jesus is a guest until we welcome him, but if we welcome him, if we build the habit of making room for Jesus to do Jesus things at our tables with others, what we'll find is that Jesus can bring not only what I need to the table, but what others need as we create space for that to happen. We're gonna talk about that practically towards the end of this, but I wanna to stick to 
uh, our text today for a little bit. Uh, so the question, who gets to show up at our table, is the table, the question we have to wrestle with. It's one that Simon ended up wrestling with, Simon the Pharisee, even though he didn't know what was happening. See, he invites Jesus to his house to come to host him. And then the party uh, takes off in an interesting direction when someone shows up who wasn't invited. So when I was in high school, I had a close group of friends when I was a senior, and we uh, decided we were all just kind of kind of do the prom thing together. But there were six of us, and we represented like three schools. And so when it came to our one friend who went to a school that none of us went to, we were like, well, like y'all, you know, you can come with us to our prom because we kind of have people that like fit and it would make sense for you to be there. But she was the only person and for her to show up with five guests at her prom was going to be weird. But we were like, we should just crash their prom. Like, who cares? We spent money on this tux, on these dresses. Let's go out and have a good time. So we had her, her prom was the night after my school's prom. So we all went on a Friday night to one prom. And then the Saturday night, we all showed up at a prom that we weren't invited to. And when we walked in, and we were like with her, like she had to like vouch for us. It put a little pressure on her, but she was fine with it. So she showed up with five people who were ready to just tear up the dance floor. And nobody else there knew who we were. And it was super, it was so awkward. It was so funny to watch people like just stare at us because they were like, who are you? You're not supposed to be here. Like, this is a space for us. This is not, and we're like, oh, yeah, we're with Anna. That didn't, they still were just like, no, no, you're not supposed to be here. It's interesting when five, six of a party show up that aren't supposed to be there, it draws attention. When this woman shows up at a Pharisee's house, and she is reputable to the point where uh, in the story, the gospel, right? Like Luke is basically saying, everyone here knew the kind of person that she was. And the Pharisee definitely knew because you hear him judging Jesus basically for accepting her, right? He says, it says in Luke 39, 7, 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this woman and saw what she was doing, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him, what kind of woman she is. She is a sinner. Um, in his book, A Meal with Jesus, Jim, uh, Tim Chester says, problem people, difficult people, different people have a habit of exposing our hearts. I'm going to read that again. Problem people, difficult people, different people have a habit of exposing our hearts. In another place in the gospel, t- Jesus is teaching his disciples and he says, what good is it if you just love the people who love you? Like even the pagans do that. There's a mark in the sand in the kingdom of God about what you do with people who are different. That is a place where hospitality and grace and the kingdom itself is shown. And it's interesting because Simon's reaction to this woman's presence and actions in his own house says more about Simon than it does about the woman. Jesus, in love, brings this up. Because it is possible to have Jesus at your table and neglect him completely. It is possible to have Jesus at your table and neglect him completely. 
as Jesus tells this story to Simon, this parable, he's bringing this to light. He says, Simon, I have something to tell you. Just pro tip, when Jesus says that to you, just brace yourself. <laughs> hey, let's talk about this. Sometimes like, ooh, you love me enough to say the hard things. Tell me, teacher, he says. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One, 500 denarii, and one, 50. A denarii is about a day's wage. So you're thinking basically someone owes him a month worth of wages, and someone owes him about a year's worth of wages, to put that in context. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. And Jesus says, you have judged correctly. Jesus tells this story to help Simon see what he could not see. And that is that welcomed people welcome people. That hosted people host people. Jesus welcomes sinners and sinners welcome Jesus. Like Jesus loves first. That's, that's the, the gospel idea is that before you did anything, Christ loved you and gave himself for you. Christ is the one who came first to make a way for us. But people who receive the love of God graciously and experience this life-changing power, they become gracious people. They become hospitable people. When you know that there was no room at the table unless Christ made it and you see the great lengths he went to to make room for you, there's something that is birthed in you that leans towards other people who might not have a place at the table and says, what does it mean for me to serve and make room at this table? Because that's what the kingdom of God is like. Because that's what Jesus is like. He turned towards the woman and he says to Simon, do you see her? And then he goes through this litany. I came into your house. He's basically saying, you were going to be the host here. Like you invited me in. I'm at your table. You didn't give me water for my feet. She wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with their hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. You see, Simon is the host who doesn't really host anyone. And the woman is the host who's not even really a guest. She wasn't even invited and she acted more like a host to Jesus than Simon who was throwing the party. It's interesting. Because Simon's approach to the whole moment was still primarily about Simon. Simon's table embodies what I would say the wrong kind of inclusion. He hosts for his own reputation. He hosts because it serves him in some way. He is the guy who is hosting this great teacher who's come through at his house. But he's not hosting to serve the people who show up. And you see that when the wrong people show up. That his heart is not to get them to Jesus, the one who's at his table. His heart is to instead say, why, why are you here? In our world today, if, you, if you're not paying attention, 
our world makes it clear who should be at your table and who shouldn't. And, you know, it varies with who you listen to and what you're inputting. But basically, we live in a world that is fine drawing boundary lines between who you should be around and who you shouldn't. And I love that, like, if we were to draw a boundary line between who the, the Holy One should be around on this earth, should be around, it would just be, it would just be the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It would just be, we talked about this last week, there's not a role for anybody in this world, no matter how righteous they seem to live or not. Nobody has a place at the table unless the Son of Man comes to serve, to make room, to create space. Simon's table is a place where Simon's just including the people who are affirming who he thinks he is. But it's when the guest shows up that we see who Simon really is. And we see who this guest sees Jesus to be. That's like the scathing part of this. Is Simon's lack of hospitality says more about who he sees Jesus to be than even this woman. Because if he saw the kingdom and the Lord of this kingdom the way he is, making room for anybody to come and respond to Jesus would be the first priority. It would be the why behind his table. Like we eat and drink to make room for people to find Jesus at our tables. And he's there. He's there. This is a profound truth that you don't need to make room for Jesus to show up. He's already shown up. You have to welcome him to make your table a place of meeting and not just a place of eating. And the, like, Jesus doesn't minimize the sin of this woman. He doesn't minimize sin. He just lets grace abound all the more, to quote Romans. Jesus doesn't chase this woman off because she shouldn't be there, which was what Simon was at least thinking if he didn't do. Instead, Jesus allows the grace that he offers to overwhelm and conquer sin. I want you to think about how amazing it is that this woman, knowing who Simon was, knowing her own reputation, most likely. I mean, she was in a culture that was rooted in honor and shame. So she knew probably how she would be viewed by everyone in that room, but particularly by the religious. But she also knew how she was being viewed by Jesus. And that brazen breaking in, like just walking through a party that's not hers and finding Jesus and pouring herself out there. And Jesus just receives it. Jesus lets her. Jesus isn't like, no, 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 no. Hey, I, I know what you've done. I know your reputation. I know all of the reasons you shouldn't be here. And so for those reasons, this is inappropriate. Instead, he lets her just pour her heart, a heart that has been forgiven much. At the end of the story, it says, she has been saved because of her faith, she has been saved. Like there's a, a rescue, a redemption. Um, it's, it's funny, we will oftentimes, like however you would fill in this blank, if I eat with so-and-so, it's as if I say that what they're saying or doing or thinking is okay. If Jesus had that rule, he would never sit at a table with us. 
because none of us have it right. Even in the ways we think we have it right, we only have it right because he's revealed it and we all see and know in part. So every time I come to the table, I don't come as someone who's got it together. I come as a person who only has a seat there if someone makes room. And that's where Jesus is looking at Simon saying, the problem here isn't, like you just think you've been forgiven less than this person. And maybe that's the biggest challenge that the church and our church and, and me that I face in becoming more like Jesus in the way that I leverage my table every week to look more like Jesus is I sometimes believe that I deserve to be there more than anybody else. Jesus didn't let difference keep him from allowing his grace to abound. Jesus didn't wipe it away. Instead, he wiped it away. He literally brought grace to forgive, to restore. And if we're not careful, we'll expect people to clean up their acts so they can show up at our house. Rather than just to show up so that Jesus can clean them up. <laughs> and clean us up as well. Because again, it's not the woman here who leaves cleaner because she's been forgiven. It's Simon who gets confronted with the fact that his pride was not making room in the way the kingdom would. He's the one who has to deal with the harsh words of Jesus here. The woman hosts Jesus and Jesus lets her and this is the scandal of the kingdom. I, I, I really do think that one of the ways we will grow in mission and we will reach our world in ways that this building cannot is when we allow who sits with us and eats with us to become more scandalous and thus serve more people. We have to be a church that will make room for the people Jesus would make room for. And if they can come here, but they can't come to our houses, that seems like a weird barrier that Jesus himself wouldn't set. And I'm not saying don't be wise. I have kids. I, I'm not dumb. But I also recognize there's a wisdom that the kingdom offers us in saying sometimes we miss the fact that the real goal in hosting is not so that I have people at my house, but so that people can meet the Jesus who we are lifting up at the table in these places. So I'm going to get real practical as we uh, kind of think through this. I want to talk about hosting well. Uh, what it means for us to host well, for our house to be a house of mission. Uh, the first thing I would just want to say is you have to make room by extending an invitation to others. If you're not inviting people into your space, they won't come. Well, some of them will. And some of you, you, you can probably name those people. But most of the people in your world, if you are not making room, they're not just going to show up. Again, this is where you become the missionary. A missionary does not set up house and just wait for the people to come. They go out. Jesus did not wait for us to come to heaven. He brought heaven to earth. The mission of this church is to be fruitful disciples everywhere. We're not waiting for people to come to this building to find Jesus. We're going to go with Jesus into the world around us. So you have to make room by actually inviting people into your space. The second thing, don't make hosting about you. Don't make it about you. That's where Simon's table was 
a very incomplete picture of hospitality is he made room for people, but only the people he wanted and it made him look better. But instead to say, who can I serve? Who in my world can I serve simply by being with them? And this is where I think sometimes we can fall into the ditch of making hospitality about the big spread and the big presentation and this and that. And I trust me, all of that stuff is amazing, but it's not the point. The point is presence. And when we emphasize relationship at the table, most of the people, it, it doesn't matter if you have a cold pot of beans, they'll be happy because they're with you. <laughs> and sometimes we can put a lot of pressure on ourselves to make hospitality about all of the things that it's not really about and not the relationship at the table. So don't make it about you. Third thing, recognize the presence of Jesus at your table. Now, if you're eating with other people who are believers, this in some ways is simply by let's name our reality that we're not coming to the table by ourselves, but Jesus is here in our midst. We believe in the real presence of Christ and at your table, Jesus is Lord. And that should shape the way that you're at the table together because we are a part of Christ and one another. Now, that might be a little bit weird for people who come to your table who aren't believers. So maybe that means just starting by you recognizing the fact that you don't come to the table alone. You always come to the table with Jesus. And the first welcome you extend is to Jesus, not just to others. So you welcome Jesus to come and to tend to you together. This is a really intentional shift. And I would say every meal, this would be a lot. But once a week, in our rhythm, we say once a week, you should eat with other people. If you took your conversation at the table with your family or with friends or with other people that you have invited in, and the question became, Jesus is here, what do we do now? <laughs> Jesus is here, now what? We welcome him to tend to us. I put this picture of Where's Waldo? You, if you remember Where's Waldo, um, I love these things. Uh, my kids, I remember doing some of these books. At, some of them were Waldo, some were other. They love looking for all the things, searching for all the things. This is kind of what conversation at the table is like. And if you've done a lot of these, then you kind of like learn the habits of look, learning to look for different things and stuff like that. But I think there's simple habits that you can have. Some of you are just like, leave it up. I'm going to find him. I'm going to find him. <laughs> there's simple things that you can do. Uh, because the question is always like, where is God at work and how do we join him? Like, what does Jesus want to say to us? How can we respond? So here's some simple things that you can do. One, ask good questions. It could be as simple as like, hey, what have you been learning in your life? What's the last thing you feel like Jesus revealed to you when you were reading the Bible? Or to share testimonies, to talk about God's work in your own life. This immediately, this kind of turns, starts to create space for the God who is present to show up, for us to be encouraged and built up and to be able to name what is happening. Opening the scriptures together, like actually reading the Bible with other people. Um, that's a powerful thing. And if that's weird to you, we can help make it at least a little bit less weird. Um, I put that pray acrostic up there. Like what we do every week, you can do that with other people. You can do that with your people. Pause to rejoice and even to do it out loud. I'm gonna, I wanna praise God for this. I wanna praise God for Father's Day. Last night we had an incredible meal at our house. 
uh, it was probably the best meal we'd had in our house in a long time. And we just sat there and we're just like, this is just crap. Like, praise God. Like, this, these are ribs. Ribs are amazing. Jesus is coming back for the ribs, y'all. He hadn't had ribs. Think about that. That's a profound statement. Um, but no, we were just rejoicing in the things that we could name and touch. Um, but I think uh, asking the big questions together, the big questions is these two things. What's God saying right now to you, to me, to us? How do we respond? You have a conversation like this and the Holy Spirit in your midst is going to encourage you and build you up and give you ways to pray. He's gonna draw you to yourself and there might be things that come to light that wouldn't come to light any other way because sometimes until we can name things and have conversation about things, we miss the fact that the, that the Lord is near. He's at the table. Remember, our tables are sites where we all decide what to do with the Lord who welcomes us. So I'm gonna invite our band up. We're gonna have a time of response in just a minute. Uh, I love that Jesus, even as the people there are wondering, like, how is, because Jesus announces her forgiveness to the whole crowd, that she is forgiven, this woman of ill repute, this woman who should not be there. Jesus restores her in the midst of everyone at the table. Like it's not a private thing, it is a public thing. The table is a place where the work of Jesus in you becomes a public thing. It becomes a community thing. It becomes something that we talk about. And for Jesus to name her as forgiven, it should shift the way the entire table thinks about her. And we get to do that with each other. We get to lift each other up. We get to name the truth for each other. We get to encourage each other and build each other up. Our tables become a place where the work of Jesus works itself out in community. But we have to make room for that to happen. And last week, we talked about how the communion table is the place that teaches us how to be at all the other tables. And remember, it's the place where what Jesus has done is not only preached, but Christ himself presents it. He reminds us that the Jesus who provides everything we need, whether that is forgiveness, whether it is grace, whether it is restoration, that he is in our midst. And that's the same thing we lift up at our own tables. If you've had the hardest week you've ever had, guess what? Jesus is here offering you grace. If you're like, I don't know how I'm gonna make it through today. Like each day he's sustaining me and I feel like every day he just gives just enough. Then let's rejoice in that and let's ask for what we need together. In conversation, this is the place where we can tell each other the good news that Jesus is here that everything we need, he is taking care of and he's offering it to us. So in just a moment, we're gonna come to the table together. If you're new here or you didn't get it, there's a table right there that has elements. You can go grab those as we sing and respond. But we're going to come to the table and just lift up the good news that Jesus Christ's broken body and shed blood provides everything that we need. And this is the truth we carry into our own houses as we meet with others. And maybe in this time, there's somebody that you're like, you know what? I haven't sat down with them in a while, but I definitely haven't sat down with them and been intentional about tending to what God's doing in their life. Then maybe you just pray for a good meal this week with somebody that you make room. Maybe there's somebody on your mind where you've, you've been kicking it down the road because things are so busy. But it's like, it's time. I need to invite them over. I need to, to welcome them. And I need to ask Jesus to help me prepare. And in this time, I pray the Holy Spirit just gives you confidence 
and brings to mind the things you need for those meetings.